0: You're listening to episode number 16 of the Money Owners Podcast with me, Morgan Rochard. Money Owners Podcast is a podcast for people who want to be mentally and financially crushing it. This podcast does not provide investment advice, and nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued to be investment advice. If you want more information about money owners, go to the website. Keep listening. Stay a while. We'd love to have you. All right. Hey, y'all. Episode 16. It's all about counting chickens. Yeah, I'm like super excited to talk about counting chickens today because it's like something that my husband and I talk about all the time in our house. Um, and I'm going to get way, way into it, but it is a money script and we will talk all about it today. But before I dive into that, on the last episode, on episode 15 in the q and I made a little blip about what I said. And I wanted to correct it here instead of re-recording episode number 15 because... That would take a lot of effort and I'll just own up to my mistakes. So on the fourth question about weddings, somebody asked how much that they should spend on a wedding. And I actually, I can't even believe I said this, but I said, um, 10 to 15% of net worth, And that's not right. (laughs) That's like way too high. What I meant to say is 10 to 15% of non-qualified and money essentially. So what do I mean by non-qualified? I mean money that's not in any kind of retirement accounts. So when you're planning for your wedding, you shouldn't be considering anything that's in a 401k or a retirement type account to be something that you can actually use towards um, your wedding because there are penalties for taking it out. So when you look at that 10 to 15% number that I was talking about, that money shouldn't be included. So what should be included would be anything that you have in cash accounts and anything that you would have in an investment account outside of a 401k or any other retirement type account. So that would actually significantly reduce the pool <laughs> of the money that you have, and then you should take a 10 to 15 percent number of that. And I still hold to what I said before, which was that seven percent number. So shoot for seven percent, knowing that you're going to go over and you'll probably end up at 10 percent. If you shoot for 15 percent, you're much more likely to end up at 20 percent. Okay, so back to the regularly scheduled program now that I've corrected that error, and I'll actually make sure to do that also on the website. Um, but yeah, so today I want to talk about counting chickens. So there's a saying. It's an old saying. I don't know where it came from, Um, but don't count your chickens before they hatch is how it goes. And it actually is a money script because what tends to happen is that we hear about things like winning the lottery or a new job that we might get with a raise or our potential bonus um, or potential raise from a current employer or a windfall or we think maybe about like getting an inheritance from somebody in our family and we start thinking about all the things that we're going to do with that money all of the things that we're going to spend it on how we're going to use it how much better our life is going to be as a result of that money and that's basically counting chickens before they hatch the issue with counting chickens before they hatch is really more when you start actually doing those things (laughs) that you claim that you want to do if you were to get this money prior to actually getting the money so Um, so the story that I heard when I was a kid was about a milkmaid who, basically, she was dreaming about all the things that could come to her if she just became, you know, something other than a milkmaid. Um, And I believe that the story actually goes back, like, way back, maybe to the 14th century or earlier. And I actually, I wish I had a copy of the story, but I know when I was a kid, my mom used to read, like, Aesop's Fables and all sorts of fairy tales to me as a child, and this is actually one of them. And it's funny because she still reads these um, to my kid and also to my sister's kids, which I find to be really just, it warms my heart because all of these things have really good um, lessons in it. But basically the gist of it was that the the maid was carrying this pail of milk and she was carrying it to town and she was thinking about all the prices that she could, you know, basically sell all of her milk for. And along the way, she was thinking of how much money she would have and what she would do with it and all the things that would be great in her life once she sold this milk. And because she was daydreaming, she tripped on something and the milk spilled all over the place and then she wasn't actually able to sell the milk at all. Um, And then the saying goes, don't count your chickens before they hatch, Um, which makes me actually think that (laughs) the story might not have originally been about a milkmaid, but that's the story that I remember as um, my parents were telling me. And what I find so interesting about the story is not actually really anything other than like the psychology behind it. So one of the things and one of the reasons why I find counting chickens to be so wonderful actually Is because you get to imagine all of the things that you can do in your life and all the things that you want to do with your life with more money. And you get to actually experience the emotion of having all of that when you sit down and you actually think about it without even having to do any of it. So the problem is only when you execute on it without actually having the money, right? But dreaming isn't actually a big deal. It's actually really good for your soul to be dreaming about all the things that you want to do and want to have. So Um, my husband and I have been talking about this a lot lately because, um, he's, uh, his business is at a place where like, um, he could potentially make a lot of money. Um, you know, over a long period of time, obviously not like we're not going to get like some huge windfall or anything. <laughs> but when I think about it, and when I think about where he is and where he's positioned in his business, like it's really exciting to me. Um, and it's kind of like how I felt when I was about two years into my business and things started really picking up for me. And I really could like count chickens about all the things that I could buy for my business and do for my business and reinvest into my business. Um, and I think the thing that's kind of lost on that story is like, all the good things about being a dreamer even though like you could potentially trip and lose all your milk and you know slip along the way and i think it is important to maybe not have your head in the clouds so much that you're not actually able to execute on all these ideas but being able to dream really big and being able to think about all the things that you want in your life is actually the number 1 way to actually to start taking steps to get those things so for me, like when I first started my business um, almost five years ago now, which is crazy. I can't believe we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of my financial planning practice here. Um, it was like a huge deal to me to be able to go out on my own, do things the way that I wanted to do it, and have um, what is known now as a lifestyle practice. And I'm sure that that applies to many professions having some sort of lifestyle-related business, but. Um, It was important to me to be able to have a lifestyle type business because I wanted to have a family. And I know you hear me like kind of beat the drum over and over and over again on this podcast about how much family means to me. But it really was important to me to be able to spend time with my son and also be able to work. And the best way that I saw to do that uh, almost five years ago now was to go out on my own. Um, And we basically did everything in order. I mean... Um, my now husband, we were, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, um, and he was, Um, doing a Bitcoin job down in Atlanta. And I moved back in with my parents for a while to start my business. Um, And then when he moved back to New York, we moved back in together. Um, So I had that whole first year where I got to live with my parents and just re-experience what it was like to be kind of um, an adult living at home rather than a high school kid living at home, which was kind of cool in its own way. And I got to do that for a year. And then Um, one thing led to another, my husband and I got engaged and then, you know, we got married and then really like we were waiting until my business, I wanted to have three years under my belt so that once my child arrived, my business would really be humming. Um, and that all went according to plan, but all of that went according to plan because, I kind of had this mentality about dreaming really big about what I wanted my firm to look like. And that doesn't necessarily mean that when you go out on your own, you have to have all the pieces in place. You have to know what everything is going to look like. You have to know how your business is going to evolve that's definitely not how my business evolved for sure. And in fact, like when I work with clients and I've seen how their businesses evolve over time, it's definitely not how they did it either. I mean, I know on the one hand, a lot of people talk about how important it is to sit down and write a business plan. Um, And I'm actually the first person to say that that's not the way to go and that's definitely not the way that I went I mean I calculated how much it would cost me to get clients and things like that I like to calculate like net present value of investments and things within my firm but um as far as like writing one of these like standard formal business plans I never really thought that that was all that important because things kind of change and it's one of these things like where you want to have some sort of a plan (laughs) and um I shouldn't be saying this out loud because I'm like a financial planner and I tell people to have plans all the time, but like you want to plan for sure because like you want to enact like, you know, enable your prefrontal cortex, which helps us make better decisions, right? Instead of using our primitive brains, which we've talked about in many episodes. But the way to do that actually is to start by dreaming, start by dreaming really big and then think about how you can actually apply that to your real life. So Um, (laughs) where am I going with this? Because I started with counting chickens and now all of a sudden we're onto business planning. Um, what I'm trying to say here though is like, it's, it's not a bad thing to just be like, to let yourself kind of go free. And I think this week's homework is really should be about you kind of sitting down and deciding like, what do you want from your practice if you have a business or what do you want from your life right now? And what do you want from it in five years from now? And what would you hope you did five years from now so that you look back on the time that you've seen over the last five years? What is it that you hope you do? What is it that you hope you accomplish over the next five years that will make you feel really good about all the things that you're about to embark on? Um... I like to do that exercise every now and then. I don't always go out five years. Um, sometimes I go as short as three months because I find that it really helps me like tackle immediate issues and have to get taken care of either um, in my personal life or in my business or whatever it is. But um, that's really helpful. And I think that it's not a bad idea to like dream as big as possible and then kind of like bring it back and see what you can do with that information to really make it super duper practical and easy for you to execute on. Um, the other thing that my husband and I like to do, which I think he'll be, like, kind of annoyed at me for sharing out loud, but, um, especially around Christmas time, you know how all those, like, catalogs they come out? Um, especially from companies like Frontgate, um, and then some of these other, like, kitschy things where they have, like, these really cool catalogs of all the gifts you can buy for people. Um, I really like to look through those. (laughs) Um, I find them to be like the most fascinating things because they evoke all of these emotions when I am opening them. For starters, there's always those items in there where you're like, who would buy this? And especially who would pay $450 for this? That's insane. Um, But obviously somebody is because they have it in the catalog and like people are obviously buying it. So I find that to be so fascinating. But I love to just imagine what it would be like to own some of these things, even if I never actually own them. And I think that you can actually... Like, you can attain joy from just doing that. So I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look around my house, there's a lot of clutter and there are things that, like, we have that some of, like, a lot of these things, maybe they have sentimental value or maybe we bought them for one reason or another because we thought they they were something that we really, really needed at the time of purchase. Or maybe they actually were something that we needed at the time of purchase, but we just no longer need them. And they're filling up our house. Um, And and so on and so on. But for for whatever reason, we can't bring ourselves to part with these things. I'm sure you can think of like 10 things right now as I'm, you know, rambling on this podcast. But I find that like the, I get more joy out of looking at a catalog of things that I could potentially buy, but I don't actually keep in my house. than if I were to have bought that stuff and then I have it cluttered in my closet. Um, and I like to call that counting chickens because like, wouldn't it be nice if we had X or wouldn't it be nice if we had Y? I think mean, one of the things that like we've been talking about a lot, cause like eventually we want to have more kids. Like, wouldn't it be nice if like, not only do we have our car, but we also have a minivan. <laughs> Um, and then when I told that to one of my friends, she was like, oh, you're gonna like immediately become a bad driver if you buy a minivan. How can you buy a minivan? It's like, no, because like, I'm a mom. And that's like my rite of passage (laughs) of being a mom. It's like, be a bad driver in a minivan. Like, oh, of course. Duh. Um, anyway, so yeah, but like we we're not doing that right because financially right now, like that's not something that makes sense for us. And I think my parents would kill us if we took up two parking spaces, but that's besides the point. Um, But yeah, like I think sometimes it's like really exciting to think about all the things that you would do if you just had a little bit more money. Um, It's actually way more freeing to do things like that than it is to even buy the things um, that you think you need in your life. So I'm wondering if it also makes sense for your homework. If you go through a list of stuff that you really, really want And you count those chickens and then you kind of just put it away for a while (laughs) and come back to it and then revisit it and see if it brings joy to you again when you read the list. Um, Because I think like one of the most interesting lessons I learned from doing things like that from actually counting chickens um, is that I can conjure up any emotion. I know that sounds totally insane. And I think we've talked about this a little bit, but you actually can conjure up any emotion that you want to have at any given time. It's it's amazing. And sometimes you don't even really need to think of very much to do it. Um, and I think that sometimes we think that we have to do all of these things outside of ourselves to get ourselves to a place where we could feel good inside. And I think that a lot of what we do in general is just trying to make ourselves feel better. So, um, I've talked a lot about like this chain reaction of like our thoughts cause our feelings and our feelings cause our actions. And then we get results from doing all those things. Right. But we can create those feelings just kind of on the spot. So like, Right now, if I just want to feel angry, I can feel angry. And if I don't want to feel angry, if I want to feel love, I can feel love. And if I want to feel, like, excitement, I can feel excitement. So if I want to feel excitement about winning a lottery, right, I don't even have to win the lottery to feel the excitement of what it would be like to have, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And, in fact, I never play the lottery because I don't really think I'm going to win and I don't really feel like donating to the cause. Um, And I think that people really shouldn't be you know spending their money on the lottery they should be spending their money on other things or just save that five bucks for god's sakes um but anyways like wouldn't it be better if instead of buying that lottery ticket you just imagined what it would be like to win even if you didn't if even if you had no chance because you never bought a ticket I find that to be really fascinating. Like, I sometimes sit with my parents, because my parents do like to buy lottery tickets every now and then when it's, like, a really, really big pot. And they'll go through sometimes what they would do with that money. And I see so much joy in their faces when they do stuff like that. And I even like to do some of that, too. Like, I like to imagine what it would be like if, like, I had, you know, ridiculous amounts of money, and I didn't have to work. And then I'm, like... Wait a minute, I would still work because I like love my clients and I love what I do. But maybe I'd stop getting new clients. And then I'm, <laughs> then I think to myself, no, I probably still like go get new clients. I would just be very, very, very picky, you know? Because, <laughs> because like I find joy in getting new clients. I like helping new people. I like going out there and getting my name out there and doing things for people. And I find I like get a lot of joy from that. And I wouldn't wanna, even if I had, you know, like $50 million or whatever I would win from a lottery, I wouldn't wanna stop doing any of those things. So, I think, like, sometimes when we think about all of the stuff that would be really, really amazing to have, it actually brings us so much more down to earth about what we really do have and what we really do enjoy and what we really do love about our lives. Um, So I know this one was a really short one, but I just wanted to give you a little tidbit about, like, creating emotions and thinking about yourself in a different way and what your life could be like and why it's probably already like that um I really want you to do that because I know that it's brought me so much joy to do that in my life um and something so simple as just like always feeling love for somebody in my life even if they're not always doing the things that I think are great Um, I know we all have like I, I please don't (laughs) <laughs> My husband's going to be like, are you talking about me? If he's listening to this, he's definitely not listening to this, but I'm not talking about him. I'm just talking about in general, right? When we have relationships with people. We end up in, in situations where maybe they're not doing something that's causing us joy. Um, and we think that they're the problem, but it's really us inside, like choosing not to feel love for that person. Um, and I think that like a lot of our actual financial problems are solved by just kind of being positive and loving and compassionate towards the other people in our lives. Um, And we sometimes think that we have to do all of this stuff outside of ourselves to get there, but we really don't. We just have to conjure these emotions within ourselves. And they're not always easy to conjure, right? So like as I'm sitting here and I'm telling you this, it's really easy for me to conjure up any emotion because... I'm not doing anything (laughs) I don't not interacting with anybody other than myself right now right like I'm like getting great joy from producing this podcast so it's like really easy for me to feel love and everything else um and maybe even some anger over the fact that like I was having some technical difficulties before we started today uh (laughs) but like as soon as you know you add other folks into the mix right like you know they do something and you inevitably like you know get feel like you know, they did something that makes you feel X, Y, Z, that's a negative emotion, right? And it takes us down a path where we think we have to do other stuff to solve that. Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's other behaviors that we may or may not be proud of, right? But like, we think that that stuff is outside of ourselves, but it's not. We think that we have to reach. We think we have to buy stuff. We think that we have to eat certain things or be a certain way, or I don't know, like lose weight or do drugs or have a glass of wine, right? You ever hear somebody say like, oh, you know... I got to have a glass of wine today after that day that I had, like, I, I mean, maybe you do, but maybe you don't, right? Maybe you just need to sit with those emotions and then conjure up new ones after you've felt them. Um, and I think that a lot of, this has like gotten way off the rails. (laughs) Um, but a lot of counting chickens really is about that. Like counting chickens is all about feeling the emotions of excitement and love and joy from things that we don't necessarily have or even need in our lives. um, But that make us happy and that bring us joy inside. Um, And I'm going to give one more example of this before I sign off. Um, You ever like browse stuff on Amazon or target or one of these websites where they let you save things for later in your cart. And you ever think to yourself like, Where you, I know I do this all the time, where I'll be browsing on Amazon and I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be really great if I could just have this thing, this item, you know? Um, And I actually could probably like list off, I have like, no joke, thousands of books um, in my save for later. I have so many books. I also have this, like you know, one of those those rollers for like it's not a foam roller, but it's actual like roller that you can roll on your muscles. Um, I tried one out at my gym one time, and I thought it was so amazing. And I was like, I went online and went to purchase it, and it was kind of expensive. And I was like, I don't, I already have a foam roller. Like, do I really need that? And I saved it for later, right? But. I got so much joy out of just like searching for it and feeling the excitement of what it would be like to actually have it in my house. And then I saved it for later, right? And so there's actual, there's some actual joy associated with the immediacy of being like either in a store or being online and like thinking about purchasing something. And then you put it in your cart and you save it for later. And sometimes I go back to my save for later and it actually feels like I already have it and it's like sitting in a dustbin in my house. I sometimes feel like my save for later is like that closet that... I really need to clean out in my home that has all this crap in it that, like, really probably should just go in a dumpster and I shouldn't even look at. Um, But I don't want to do that because I'm sure there's something in there that maybe would be useful at one point in life, right? Like, we all have that one closet. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Where you absolutely need to clean it, but you, like, refuse to do it because it seems so overwhelming. That's sometimes what I feel like my safer for later is on Amazon because, like, it's already gone into the closet. It's already been used, even though I haven't even purchased it. So why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because like, I think that it's better sometimes to dream, to let ourselves, to let our brain go to a place where we're experiencing something that we don't even have or will never have in our lives. Um, And that part, that dream, those feelings, they're all real, even if you don't have that tangible experience or that tangible thing in your hand to say that you did it. Um, I think something as like so simple as looking at pictures of a place that you really want to go, but it's totally unaffordable or really, really far away could actually be enough to conjure up like the good emotions of you going on a trip or you even feeling like you've been in a place, which I know seems totally insane from just looking at pictures. But if you do it enough, you'll actually feel like you've already been there. You can go there in your mind. Um, and this tactic is really, really helpful when you're feeling kind of strapped for cash or when you feel like you have a goal that you really want to save for, but there are all these other things that are kind of always getting in your way, or, um, you're just feeling like, you know, you have a sense of immediacy to buy things or to go somewhere to do stuff. Um, and what I'm saying is that you can have that sense of immediacy, and not even have to spend the money on it or go or do it. You can you can conjure those emotions. You can feel those things right now. That is available to you. I promise you. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Money Owners. If you like the podcast, please review it on iTunes. Give me five stars. I'm trying my hardest to give you all this awesome, good, free information. And if you have a comment or a question, go find me on Twitter. I'm at Morgan with an E, Rochard, R-O-C-H-A-R-D, or at money underscore owners. You can also comment um, on our website at moneyowners.com. And I will talk to you all in two weeks. Okay, thanks. Bye.